When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Everyone gets their cravings while watching the games, and no one wants to be the one to miss the big play. Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. From the extras to the essentials, Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's that late-night snack craving or you forgot to get the paper towels from the grocery store, enjoy convenience delivered right to your door, just in the nick of time, and you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He is Paul DeTito. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as we are continuing to break down mandatory minicamp day two today as they will wrap up things on Thursday and multiple ways to interact with us here on the program. 201-939-4513. You can't get to the phones. You can hit us up on Twitter. Hashtag Giants Chat. You can also interact with each one of us on our own Twitter handles. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So Brian Dable spoke to the media earlier today. Also yesterday, we heard from a few players. We'll recap some of those takeaways as we go through the ins and outs of mandatory minicamp. And clearly, there's a few different themes, Paul, that have come to the forefront, at least based on what the players have said and maybe what Brian Dable has echoed, and that is on the defensive side of the ball. We heard a lot about this in OTAs. The defensive players, even the offensive players, have backed them up that they're being tested in practice because of the aggressive nature of Wink Martindale's defense. That's number one. And then number two is... They're mixing and matching personnel, and Dable continues to emphasize this. They don't have a depth chart. He actually said they have a rep chart. They're more concerned right. about teaching and implementing the scheme as opposed to saying, okay, these guys are the ones, these guys are the twos, these guys are the threes. I think those are the two big themes that we've been hearing about going back to the beginning of the offseason program, and I think they've carried through here at Mandatory Minicamp. There's no question about it, Lance. Now, I will say this. The first unit offensive line, that's something he really has not messed with. We pretty much know who the starting five is going to be, at least going into training camp, based on everything we've seen during the spring, because he hasn't really shuffled those guys at all. Uh, the only time we've seen anybody substituting there 
is when Andrew Thomas had the red jersey for a while, and because of uh, uh, you know some type of injury, they were kind of holding him to the side, so somebody else had to go in and play tackle for him. Other than that particular time, and it was earlier during the spring, we basically have seen the same five offensive linemen with the first unit all the time. The things that have, or the areas that have been rotated, all the other spots, receiver, tight end, running back, all the other spots. That's where he's he's simply gone reps over depth chart. But I, I think it's it's important to note that he clearly sees value in the continuity of what he thinks the starting five on that O-line might look like, and he has consistently gone to those guys time in and time out as the first unit group. And I think we have discussed the chemistry of that unit enough to understand why that makes a lot of sense. Especially since there's so many new faces and you also have a new offensive line coach and, of course, a new scheme. So it's understandable that you don't want to toy with that too much. Then again, though, there is value in giving some of these backups opportunities at various spots because there is some competition on the back end of the offensive line. Despite whoever wins the starting jobs, you need to determine, hey, who's the four other offensive linemen that you're going to retain, assuming they do hold on to nine. And more often than not, those players need to have the flexibility to play both guard and center or guard and tackle as opposed to just be at one sole position. Well, he's giving those guys all kinds of looks at different spots with the second and third units, which is to your point, those guys need to be flexible and they need to be able to move around and learn other positions. That's fine. Uh, he's definitely on board with that, but he's not tinkering with that first unit very much. And I, and I, I can appreciate it. Now, I will tell you something else, though, that, that you know is very interesting. Because of the red jerseys, and for those of you who still don't understand what that means, it means there's some type of injury rehab going on to where the guy cannot do 100% of the drills out at practice. Red jerseys on Galladay and Tony and Shepard. That has allowed the wide receiving core to be jumbled like a kaleidoscope. I mean, they have used every combination of receivers imaginable with the first, second, and third team units, which is why it's incredibly laughable. And Dable himself kind of chuckles about it when people are insisting to write down the depth chart of these drills and they're posting it on Twitter and they're writing it in their stories. It, it's, it's really laughable when you think about it. Because without Galladay and without Tony and without Shepard, I mean, is it any wonder that you're getting a different face playing starting wide receiver almost every practice? I mean, it, it makes no sense to be charting that because it's just not, it's not telling you anything. It's out of necessity at this exactly. point. Exactly. It means nothing. I mean, they've all gotten chances to be with the first unit. Sills and Board and even Toyvonen. Toyvonen has had a chance to, to play with the first team. I mean, it means nothing. And it doesn't even hold that much weight also, given the fact that we're going to have preseason games, we're going to have training camp. And we've talked about this on previous shows, not to read too much into these things because we've seen guys flash have unbelievable off-season programs, and then they don't even make the 53-man roster. So that's more of a reason. The one receiver that he has pointed out, and he was asked about him today, Richie James. Yep. He was very clear about Richie James. Hands, speed, knows the routes, and he's been able to play all four wide receiver positions. Uh, How many times have we talked about this, Lance, 
the more you can do, right? Well, that was a big emphasis for former wide receiver coach Tyke Tolbert. He would always talk about how all of the wide receivers, they need to be able to be interchangeable, essentially. They can't just be a guy that could go in and play one spot. They and have he, to be able to play every spot. And he's also a special teams guy. Yeah. He, though, also has durability concerns because he has some injury history. So that's the thing with yes, him. He Remember, does. he went through knee surgery last year and he was placed on IR. He didn't play at all in 2021. His last action was 2020. So, you know, that's the other thing that is something to at least take into consideration that some of these guys, can they actually stay healthy? Can they prove to the Giants that they could be at practice every day? And then, of course, if they get in a preseason game, can they bounce back the following day and take part in whatever team activities they're going through? Well, let me, Those ask, are you, things to mind. Let me ask you a question about the receivers right now. If you believe that Galladay and Tony and Robinson, you know, are, are and, and Slayton, those, those are four, right? You're not going to keep more than six. That's the max. That's the max you're going to take as, as far as wide receivers on your 53. Um, we know that a guy like C.J. Board offers a lot of versatility and special teams. Sure. We know that David Sills has a really good uh, connection and chemistry with the quarterback, Daniel Jones, especially after he spent last summer with him down at Duke. So, I mean, there's quite a battle there at the back of the wide receiver depth chart. And a guy like Richie James all of a sudden has himself a nice spring and a nice summer. I mean, he's got a chance to maybe nudge his way onto that 53 on the back end because it's only realistic to expect that Sterling Shepard is not going to start the season on the 53. I mean, he got hurt in January, Lance. It would be super, super human of him to be available for week one. And again, they're not putting any timetable on him. We've seen him out there doing some stuff. He's going through some drills. You can even see the videos on Twitter. They're up there. I've even posted some of them. Some stop and start drills, some short sprints, some zigzags. But you can't possibly expect that Sterling Shepard is going to be ready week one. I just think that that's fool's gold. And I don't think the Giants believe that. But they're not going to put a timetable on him. So assuming that a smallish type receiver, which he is, and primarily a slot guy, is not going to be available, does that help Richie James? Because he might be able to fill that role a little better than maybe somebody else. The other guy that you didn't bring up is Robert Foster, who has well, he's a taller guy though. with the Bills. No, I know he's a taller guy, but he also plays special teams. He offers yeah, that. he does. And that's a key way of getting on the roster, too. And I don't know necessarily, given the fact that, Paul, they have Wondell Robinson and Kadarius Toney, I don't know if they'd be looking through solely the lens of size. It's not like they don't have other guys that can't assume the slot or be that shiftiness that's like true. Sterling Shepard. They have other guys on the roster, so to me it would be more of the more you can do, which is what you were emphasizing. Foster could be a gunner. He could be a return guy. He could be a deep threat wide receiver. So that offers them some versatility to justify a roster spot. And I'm with you in terms of six. I was actually having this conversation with Jeff yesterday. It's interesting that you went there because we were sort of going down this road of speculation, and I look at the guys that – have a history with members of the coaching staff and offer a special team. So Foster is an attractive option if you look at him under that category. And I'm with you with respect to Shepard. He could be a candidate to maybe be on the 53 and then be put on IR. Remember, you have to be on the 53, the initial, 
and then you could get placed on IR. You're still eligible to return. Or he could be somebody that's on PUP all throughout training camp, and then he just transfers over to regular season PUP. However, that means that he's going to miss a lot more time within the regular season. And that's why you see sometimes teams, they'd rather sacrifice a roster spot in the initial 53, put the guy on IR, and then you only have to wait four weeks till maybe you bring him back. So if Shepard, let's say, and once again, I'm going down a hypothetical road. Let's say he's not ready to go week one, but they feel good about week five. He'd be ready. It makes more sense to start him off on IR than have to sacrifice him for maybe half the season on pup. Well, again, this this is all dependent upon what the medical folks say about him as we continue to proceed. But... It's look. I, I was talking to uh, Russ Salzberg earlier today. Okay, one of one of our cohorts, and I said, Russ, here's the good thing about this team right now. You may not have answers at every single position. Certainly, as you go deeper on the depth chart, there there are no concrete answers, but at least there are possibilities. And there are some years where you look at a unit and you say, you know what? There's no depth there at all, and I'm not even sure that the starter's any good. That's happened before. I mean, we've gone through a decade of, of real tough football here. That's not the case right now. There are certainly some units where there may not be concrete answers because you don't know about the durability of some guys. Or, for example, at the corner where you have some young guys who you don't necessarily know if they've got enough experience that you can hang your hat on them and say that they're going to do X, Y, and Z. And that's certainly fair. But at least the possibilities exist within every unit that there could be answers here that will make the Giants at least a competitive, if not winning team. Well, I feel like in years past, they've had some options at wide receiver. I think what happened is, specifically last season, it's one thing, Paul, to say we feel good about our fifth and sixth options to fill in here or there. When you then lose three starters and now five, six, now you're going into seven and eight, have to play more of a primary role, and clearly there is a drop-off as you get right deeper and deeper into the depth chart. backups are backups for a reason. Correct. So what I'm saying is there's a point where you feel good about the depth, meaning if you need a spot start for two to three games here or there, it's another thing when you're going six, seven games in a season, and now six, seven, and eight have to be your primary weapons. That's very difficult to overcome. Nowhere was it more apparent than on the offensive line. That's another area, correct. You know, but but they were impacted though at wide receiver last season. There's no question. There's no question. That's why I I brought that up. I I think I think though the the point to be made is that right now, if you look at the starting units on both sides of the ball and special teams, I think you can make an honest assessment and say, you know what, there's a potential answer at every spot. I don't know right now that there's any spot where anybody with any sense of realistic logic, can look at that spot and say, the Giants have no chance to fill that spot. I I just, I don't see it. And that's what separates them, I believe, from the real bottom feeders of this league. Because I I just don't see any unit that is totally void of a possibility. Well, if you frame it in terms of possibility, yeah, I'm completely with you. Possibility, though, and production are two different things. If we're going to operate on the two P's, okay, to use your alliteration, it's one thing to feel good about potential on a roster. I think there's a lot of teams right now, you go around the league, the Giants included, hey, we feel good about the potential of this player. But if you haven't seen it yet, Paul, there's a reason to be 
a little bit concerned in the event that what we talked about happened last year. When you do lose a starter, and now you have to throw that potential out there, now we separate the men from the boys. Okay, it's one thing to watch a kid in practice and feel like, hey, he's shown some flashes. Can he go out? Can he do that for now 50-some-odd reps during the course of a game? And then can he come back the following week where then they've seen him do it on film? You know the defense or the offense, depending on what side of the ball he plays, is going to make an adjustment. And can now he all of a sudden make tweaks? I think that's the big test for a lot of these players. Specifically, you were referencing the secondary. So there's potential in terms of the corners. We just haven't seen a lot of it in real, regular season football games. Tight end is another position I would go to. I think you have some veterans like Ricky Seals-Jones and Jordan Aikens, but they haven't necessarily been the go-to guys, the primary options throughout the course of their careers, and maybe they're going to be asked to do a little bit more this year. And as far as Bellinger is concerned, Bellinger's in the potential category, right. Paul. No right. disrespect to Bellinger, but he hasn't played one regular season snap, so you can't tell me you know exactly what you're going to have out of him until you get there out on the field. I, no question, Lance. And the problem with the possibilities or the potential or the guys who may in fact be the right answers, the problem is simple. It's June, and only time will tell how that's all going to shake out. You, you can't prove either way if any of those guys are the answer or are not the answer in the second week of June. And we just have to wait. Is there anything more annoying than having to run to the store in freezing cold weather when all you want to do is stream endlessly from the comfort of your couch? Or realizing after just going to three different grocery stores that you forgot the toilet paper and refused to enter yet another parking lot? Wouldn't it be nice to have someone appear with the items you're missing right to your door? Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's a craving for something sweet during a commercial break or you forgot those bathroom essentials, Grubhub will deliver anything from the convenience store right to your door. And you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. You can only prepare accordingly. Right. Which is essentially what we're talking about right now. That's why it goes back to where we started this conversation. Dable emphasizing this is about teaching. This is not necessarily about getting the cards out on the board and putting them in order. It's to make sure guys feel comfortable. The coaching staff is getting to know the players, building those relationships. The players are building relationships with one another. And then when they put the pads on, then maybe the separation will begin. And of course, you'll have game situations and all of that. But there's only so much that you can read into every single move every single day over the course of a three-day mandatory minicamp. I think that was his biggest message that he was throwing out there to the media. And it wasn't just today. If you go back to what he said yesterday, and then even if you go back to draft conversations, and I know we continue to reference this, but if you recall, and you were talking about the offensive line is the place that he has remained steady, I get that. But his message, even going back to the draft, was, guys, do not take notes and read into who's with the ones every single day because I'm going to mix and match. Now, I thought an interesting question, Paul, on that topic was somebody did ask him today a follow-up well, is it going to look the same or different in training camp, if you remember, right. with respect to, you know, don't read into the depth chart. And he said, listen, it could be a little bit similar, but he kept pointing to when we put pads on, it gives you a better opportunity, I think, to get a read on a player. And then, listen, if you think a guy is outperforming 
and you want to see him operate with Daniel Jones. Or if he's, let's say, a defensive player, you want to see what he could do against the starting offensive lineman. Then that justifies you moving him maybe more with the ones because then you could put him under the label of a guy that deserves more playing time or actually can be an impactful guy, assuming he makes the roster. Well, I'm going to put the equation together here, Lance, because it hasn't been said directly, but you can add up the numbers and come up with the right figure. And that is the reason I believe he's keeping the starting five or the projected starting five offensive linemen with the, quote, first team throughout the spring is because of communication. You don't need to have pads on for guys to communicate to talk to each other about what they're seeing, to talk about the plays and the calls and the protection schemes, that's critical. And I've talked to all these offensive linemen. I've talked to Glowinski, and I've talked to Mamu, and I've talked to Gates, even though Gates is, is not playing right now. And, I, and I've talked to Garcia, and I, I've talked to a number of these guys. And, and they keep saying that right now they are doing a ton. Feliciano even said it yesterday in his presser. An overabundance of communication because that is the foundation of everything that they're going to do. And I truly believe that Dable's primary reason to keep those projected starting five together day in and day out during the spring is because he wants that communication to be as solid as possible before he starts tinkering with anything like you're talking about in terms of exploring guys' versatility, giving them a chance to play with the ones. I think his in his mind, I think I got my projected starting five. Let these guys talk it out on the line of scrimmage every day in practice so we can get that smoothed out as best as possible. And once that's done, once they get to training camp, you may see a starting lineman or two get changed just to give somebody reps and to get them familiar. But for the time being, this has been, and he has stressed the fact that communication throughout the course of these practices for with every unit, but especially with the O-line, is of monumental importance. So I think that's how you add the equation together and why he's doing what he's doing. And on a related note, with respect to Feliciano, when he did speak with reporters yesterday, the one thing he talked about was Wink's aggressive nature as a defensive coordinator and how they actually are being tested in the communication department, as you just mentioned, because he was talking about how Julian Love, for example, was lined up yesterday as a linebacker, and you've got to read where these guys are. Of course, there's not the physicality of what a normal game presents, and they're not tackling one another, but Feliciano was saying it's simulating, okay, if you're an offensive lineman, specifically the center, you need to pick up on the fact that, okay, a guy has now been moved around. You have to be aware in terms of protection, and those simulations you can work on right now, regardless of whether or not you have pads on exactly. because you need to anticipate, hey, Julian Love is coming up the gut. Julian Love is coming off the right or on the left side, depending on where he's lined up. And I think Feliciano had mentioned that it's maybe a little bit of a cat and mouse game now, which they like because they're being exposed to things that they could very well see during the regular season. Now, with that being said, Dable, and I'm paraphrasing, today he was asked about that. He goes, well, maybe John needs to slow down a little. That you know, It's not as if Wink is battle-testing them on a given daily basis, but I think he's maybe people misread. Correct, he is. He's playing with them. And Feliciano, I thought, laid that out very nicely, that there are ways without going mano a mano in the trenches to still prepare yourself for what's going to be coming later down the road. Look, 
we all know that there are parameters here. We can't get into specifics. We're not allowed to. But, folks, I've, I've been telling you this now for two months. You will not recognize. You will just not recognize this team. When they get on the field in September, you are going to see formations and player deployment. The best way I can describe it, I think we all know, Lance, you know, generally what each position is identified by and what those roles should be for those guys. Well, Wink Martindale on defense and even Brian Dable and Mike Kafka on offense, they redefine the positions. It's really that simple. You look up and you're looking at the defense and you're like, wait a minute, that guy is a blank, but he's playing that position instead of his own position. And that's what we're seeing. Okay, we're seeing it on both sides of the ball. There are guys who are not playing their conventional positions. And and it happens often and with different guys every time. I mean, <laughs> I, I just this team is going to be nothing if 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 else. But they'll be interesting. Let's just say that. I don't know how many games they're going to win. I think they were a much better team than they were last year. I think the talent pool is a lot better. I will guarantee one thing. Unless a bunch of their starters get hurt again and pushed to the sideline, this team is going to be extremely interesting to watch. And if you blink, you're not going to recognize what just happened on the field because that's how different this team is going to look. And part of that is Wink's desire to create confusion. Just because he has, by the way, a player out of his normal position doesn't mean that during the course of the play he's actually going to be playing in that spot. It's just that the could look. just be, correct, the look, and then all of a sudden he goes back into the secondary, for example. Or maybe it's Dexter Lawrence actually was even insinuating something the other day when he spoke to the media. He was asked about, are you going to be a big run stopper within this defense? Maybe do you have the ability to get a few more sacks? And he says, hey, listen, we're interchangeable parts. That's pretty much what my biggest takeaway was. It even said, hey, you know, I may be in coverage here or there because Wink may <laughs> throw me back there. No, he did. He said I that. Know he so, did. you know, it just goes to show I you. I tried hard not to laugh, Lance, yeah, because well, that I have not seen yet. <laughs> and we may see a little bit of that, but I think what. You never know. 100%. You never know. And make the offense think. It's never a bad thing to put them in that position, but I think it's important to understand that just because a player starts out of position, Paul, does not mean he's essentially going to stay there through the duration of the play. That normally is by design. It's not like, I don't want to paint the picture that Wink all of a sudden looked at Dex's tape and said, you know, I think I want to put Dex on a tight end 20 yards down the field and see whether or not he's going to have success. Yeah, I, I don't that. think we're going to okay. see that 340-pound yes. monster <laughs> dropping back on a zone blitz. Correct. I don't think so. Yes, but he may have him start out a little bit right away from the line just to get the quarterback thinking. And maybe the quarterback all of a sudden has to change the play because he's wondering what the heck is going on. I haven't seen this look before. So I think that is a lot of what's going on with the scheme There's no doubt. as opposed to putting guys completely out of position. Uh, Brian Baldinger from NFL Network was here yesterday at practice, and we spent quite a bit of time uh, talking to each other. And, and he loves Wink Martindale. Big, big fan of Wink Martindale. And when I discussed with Baldy, I said, Baldy, you know, 
it's clear from looking at the, the Baltimore tape, as, as we've all seen his defenses in Baltimore for the last few years, and obviously what he's done here during the spring, it's about causing confusion with your front seven. Yep. And, and Baldy goes, you have absolutely no idea what a big headache that is for an offensive line and for a quarterback. Because if you, you just don't know what it is that they're throwing at you. Now, I also said to him, well, last year that defense in Baltimore had some trouble because they totally got crippled in the secondary to where they just didn't have nearly enough talent to compete back there. So all the confusion that he was throwing at other teams, you know, was watered down because other teams were able to take advantage of very, very lackluster play from the secondary. It obviously feeds into each other. You've got to have capable people in the defensive backfield. But as long as they're capable, they don't have to be great, which is why, you know, those who were wanting to get Sauce Gardner made no sense to me whatsoever. As long as you have somebody capable in the secondary, it's all about what he's going to do up front. That's that's the Wink Martindale defense. And, you know, Baldy simply said to me, he's like, you just, you just don't know what he's going to do on any given play. He's throwing the kitchen sink at you. And then even when you think you figured it out, he changes it the next play. So, you know, he has tremendous admiration for Wink. And I will also tell you, in, in conversation with him, he is very impressed with Evan Neal and very impressed with Thomas and also very impressed with Mark Lewinsky. He said, I know that Quentin Nelson is the, the Pro Bowl guy and, you know, coming out in the draft – Everybody knew he was going to be a franchise, you know, lineman. He said, but don't sell Glowinski short. This guy can play, and he's nasty. He gets after you. He is going to be a real leader on that offensive line. Now, he said, I, I don't know enough about Feliciano as a center because, obviously, he's only played there in a very small capacity. And he said, I, I guess Lemieux's coming back, right? And I said, well, that's what it looks like. He goes, all right, well, then that job is, is there for him to win, and let's see what he's got. But three of the five, Baldy was sky high on and keeping the door open on a wait-and-see kind, of, uh, uh, kind of feel as, in terms of Feliciano and Lemieux. And Feliciano, actually, which is related to what you were talking about, the one thing he discussed with reporters the other day is even though he doesn't have a wealth of experience at center, he would always take snaps at Every the day. center spot because he was yeah. the emergency guy, the yeah. backup, with respect to the Raiders and the Bills. It wasn't just one of the teams. So he does have experience, at least on the practice field. It's no different than, actually, if you remember, Paul, when the Giants drafted Shane Lemieux, Lemieux also was a guy that would take center right. snaps at Oregon. Because they prepared for him, God forbid, in case there was an injury that he would have to slide over. Mm -hmm. So it's very similar from that standpoint. The one difference is that when Glowinski came into the league with the Raiders, uh, he was kind of being tutored by Rodney Hudson, who is really good. I mean, that guy is a premier center. You're talking about Feliciano, right? Yes. Did I say Glowinski? You said Glowinski. I'm sorry. I I meant Feliciano. Feliciano made it a point to learn from Rodney Hudson. And and that's a very, very big help. I mean, Hudson Hudson's is, is one of the premier centers in, in recent memory.
Absolutely. So well, and that also, helps. And keep in mind, Mitch Morris was on the Bills the last few years, too. After he went, uh, he was with Kansas City originally and then yeah. came to Buffalo. So Feliciano, I would say, on both teams, yeah, he's, he's had, had good an guys. experienced guy in front of him yeah, to help him out. For yeah. sure. For That's sure. That's not necessarily a bad thing. And Glowinski was a part of a solid Colts offensive line. And here's the other thing about Glowinski. Forget about what he did in Indianapolis. Prior to that, he was in Seattle. Glowinski, to me, he's a polished vet, Paul. Right? At this point in his career, you know what you're getting out of him. He's been a consistent player. It's not one of those things where, oh, boy, I don't know what he's going to do against this opponent. I think that's what you're getting out of a guy like Mark Lewinsky. You sign up, and you know exactly day-to-day what he's going to bring to the table. And that hasn't been something that even with previous veterans, maybe the Giants could lean on and feel great about. And that's why, from Evan Neal's perspective— If you're now all of a sudden adjusting from college to the pros, a big part of the development of a young guy is also who you're playing next to. For for example, what did we talk about? Andrew Thomas, the big problem with Thomas as he was adjusting to life in the NFL was he had a revolving door next to him at left guard. Mm -hmm. Guys were in and out of the lineup. He didn't have consistency there. Will Hernandez, Shane Lemieux, you name it. So I think for Evan Neal's sake, it's not just about knowing that he certainly is in good hands with the scheme and Bobby Johnson, but it's the fact that he's got Mark Lewinsky right next to him to help him guide him through that. I couldn't agree with you more. And when you're talking about guiding these guys, let's not forget Bobby Johnson. Uh, Baldy could not speak higher of him than he did with me yesterday because he said, listen, Bobby was the guy who started the rebuild with the Colts offensive line. At one point, they were pretty dreadful. And in Bobby's one year there, that's where they started the foundation to turn things around. That was 2018, right. just so people understand. And Glowinski was with him yeah. in Indianapolis. Sure. And then he goes to Buffalo, and that offensive line was not regarded as being much of anything. And, and they wound up turning it around mostly with unheralded guys. Okay? And Baldy said to me, you know what? Nobody thought that that Dawkins was going to be this good. He's pretty darn good. But he said, you know what? Most people didn't think he was going to be this good. He's overachieved. He said, now, yeah, they went and they signed Morris from Kansas City. But look at the rest of that line. These these guys were not household names. And they they came in as, you know, a very suspect line. And by the time Bobby Johnson got done with them, they were really good. So he said, listen, I'm telling you, Bobby Johnson is a guy who will get the most out of a line. He is a guy who will get your line to improve and will raise the level of their play. Now, he said, think about this. In those last two stops, he didn't have two first-round draft picks playing tackle. Now he's got Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas? Think about that for a minute. Yeah, because Dawkins was a second-round pick. Right. Baldy's like, now he's got these two bookends to work with? Uh, he's a huge fan of Bobby Johnson, too. So he he really feels very good about this offensive line, or at least the potential. Again, he wasn't sure exactly how it's going to work out at left guard and center, but he, he feels very good about their potential. And there's that P word again. Sure. Well, and the other thing to take into consideration, not to take anything away from what happened at Buffalo, but having a guy like Josh Allen as your quarterback and his mobility and his skill set, I yeah. think also alleviates it helps. and takes some pressure no off of the offensive line. So that's at least important to know. But and so I, does a great yeah. running game. 
And let's not kid ourselves. The Buffalo Bills, outside of Josh Allen, have not exactly had a great running game. Well, I would argue one of the reasons why is because Josh Allen does pretty much all of their yeah, running, right? Paul. Okay. <laughs> Maybe we'd get a glimpse of it if they actually gave their running backs the football. Okay? I've been campaigning for that over the last few seasons from covering the NFL. You know, oh my. and I don't represent Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, <laughs> but I'm sure that they would be on board with my campaign. I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. Heck, Matt Breida got the heck out of there and came down here to the Giants, hoping that he'll get a little more playing time, too. Exactly. That's why there's so many Buffalo tie-ins at various positions because of the familiarity angle. Now, the reason why I brought up Josh Allen is that's a great segue as you are listening to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com and the mobile app, 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. And a few reminders before I get to my next point here. Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2022 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925, or you can visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Also, don't miss your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giants games at world-class concerts in 2022 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or you can visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. So I brought up Josh Allen and Daniel Jones also spoke with the media the other day. Mm -hmm. And nothing necessarily earth-shattering, Paul, but he was asked about adjusting to yet another scheme and the fact that when he's away from the team for the next few weeks before training camp starts, while in a typical offseason, normally he'd be maybe working on just solely fundamentals, there is going to be a little bit more studying this year, given the fact that, once again, he is still digesting a new language and a new scheme, but he mentioned that he was asked a lot about Davis Webb's presence and how the quarterback room is having a very healthy conversation because Webb was in this offense with Buffalo last year, and when Daniel does have a question, not only can he go to assistance, but he can lean on Davis Webb. And, you know, sometimes that's important to have somebody in the room as you're learning the language that you're able to go to Davis and say, hey, when you guys ran this play, whether it's Josh Allen or whoever it may be, how did it work? Why were you going towards this angle and so forth? It's a nice extension of the coaching staff, essentially. There's no question, and that's why Davis Webb is here, because the Bills contingent understands his football acumen and how valuable he can be to a fellow quarterback. Uh, Davis always, always has been extremely smart and has great football savvy. He is going to be an offensive coordinator at a very high level, whether it's high-level power conference division one or at the NFL level. I'm not sure where he ultimately wants to land, but he will be, he will be, I promise you, a very well-respected offensive coordinator at some point in time whenever he decides to, to hang it up. Uh, I think one of the things that, that Daniel talked about specifically was he said, you know, if sometimes there's confusion on a play and, you know, Kafka came from Kansas City and if they don't know exactly what's going on and Jones converses with Webb, Webb, Webb called up Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. And he, Patrick, uh, this thing you guys did in Kansas City, we kind of were doing some of that here. What do you got? And, and Davis goes and researches these things and then brings it back to the quarterback room. This is the kind of guy he is. Davis Webb, 
Let me make something clear. From the time he was here with the Giants six years ago, all right, it is that long, and credit to him, he's still in the league going into his sixth NFL season, was always, like Eli, first guy in, last guy out. He prepares scouting reports and tape cut-ups on the opposition every week. Used to do that for Eli. Did it for Josh Allen in Buffalo. This guy is is a, a coach's dream and he has definitely been impactful in helping Daniel Jones. Now, one of the other things that Daniel talked about, besides being able to bounce stuff off of, of Davis, was that he has spent a lot of time working on his footwork because there are a number of plays, and this should not surprise you. I'm not going to give out any secrets when I say there are plays where you need some mobility from the quarterback, okay, and being able to throw on the move. Which Josh Allen, of course, has done a lot of. We're talking rollouts. We're talking moving pockets. Okay, you guys are smart enough to understand that. I don't think I'm giving anything away. That's going to be much more a part of what the Giants do this year. And Davis, uh, not Davis, uh, uh, Daniel Jones has spent some time working on footwork that would be beneficial to those styles of plays. And he's had to learn some different ways to use his feet so that he could be more comfortable throwing on the run. And we've seen it all spring long. He has really adapted to those types of things extremely well. And I think that is so critical to his success this season. Keep in mind another thing as to why Davis Webb was comfortable giving Patrick Mahomes a ring is the two of them were teammates at Texas Tech. Correct. So they have an established relationship. That's why when Mike Kafka comes over, who obviously worked with Mahomes, and they're installing some of the Chiefs' principles, it's not like Kafka has to introduce Davis Webb to Patrick Mahomes. Webb could call him up out of the blue, given the fact that they know each other going back to the college days. And the other thing is... They ran that air raid attack. Sure, exactly. Well, and the other thing is, remember, a lot of quarterbacks also in the league... They, if especially if they were drafted around the same time period, they went to maybe the combine together. They were recruited in high school together. So a lot of these guys know each other simply based on going to camps and events. It's no different than the coaching circle in the NFL. It seems vast. It seems huge. But you know what? When you really talk to all these individuals, a lot of them cross paths with one another in some other walk of life within the football world. So it's not crazy in today's day and age for a quarterback on the Buffalo Bills to maybe call up a guy on the Chargers. I guarantee you they had some connection, whether it's a common coach, Paul, it's a relationship going back to college, high school. It is a very small world in the National Football League. No question about it. And it's very helpful when you can tap into those resources. In most cases, you are able to. In some cases, maybe not. Maybe there was some bad feelings or a bridge that was burned or whatever the case may be. But here's a case where, you know, Davis Webb is such a likable guy. It doesn't surprise me that he could call up anybody and get what he needs to get. Well, and from Mahomes' perspective, I don't really think he's giving away the secrets of the Chiefs' offense if he's helping them maybe break down a play or two. Well, they're in a different conference. Correct. To be quite frank with you. I see no reason why Mahomes wouldn't tell Davis whatever it is that he's asking for because 
uh, you know, Mahomes has a relationship with Kafka. I'm sure he wants Kafka to do well with the Giants. And whatever the Giants do this year, unless they play the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, Mahomes could probably care less about how great they do. Now, if they were having this conversation, though, last year, given the fact that the Chiefs were playing the Giants, I don't know how helpful <laughs> he would be. Because remember, the Giants played the Chiefs pretty close in that meeting last year during the regular it season. It was one of their better games of the year. Exactly, it was, as Patrick Graham's defensive unit gave uh, the Chiefs a lot of trouble. That was also the transitional period for Kansas City where everybody mm -hmm. said the guys forgot how to play offense, and then they only happened to win eight games in a row following that. So that's another reason why it's a week-to-week -week league with respect to the National Football League. Lance Meadow, Paul Dettino with you here. Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. The phones are open at 201-939-4513. Obviously a different start time today at 1 p.m. Eastern because the mandatory minicamp schedule evolves and fluctuates. So just be prepared that there will be a change tomorrow. The show is going to start at 1 p.m. Eastern as well, but certainly appreciate those of you who are adapting with us along the way. And if you can't get to the phone you can hit us up at hashtag Giants chat you could tweet directly to each and every one of our individual handles as we'll monitor that over the next few days as well so we talked about Daniel Jones we talked about John Feliciano and Dexter Lawrence as those were the three players that spoke to the media there are players actually speaking to the media as we are on this program so we'll obviously be recapping that over the next few days and Brian Dable has been asked a lot of questions also about injuries and we didn't talk about this yesterday I wanted to lay this out because I think he was very clear with the media and he's not subscribing to a different philosophy than most coaches but Dable made it clear I'm not telling you much of anything when it comes to injuries. So what he's doing is he's providing the preseason for what the regular season is going to be like. So I want the fans to understand when we get to every single week and the injury report comes out, do not have very high expectations for Dable to be telling you a full breakdown of how the guy's progressing, whether or not he expects him at practice the next day, how many weeks he's anticipating this guy to be out for. And, in fairness, I really don't think, Paul, it's much of an adjustment period because Joe Judge had pretty much the identical approach. Did sure. he not? Yes, he, didn't he did. not give you much of anything. So I'm just saying, Dable, he's not hiding from the tone that he will be setting moving forward here. Is there anything more annoying than having to run to the store in freezing cold weather when all you want to do is stream endlessly from the comfort of your couch? Or realizing after just going to three different grocery stores that you forgot the toilet paper and refuse to enter yet another parking lot? Wouldn't it be nice to have someone appear with the items you're missing right to your door? Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's a craving for something sweet during a commercial break, or you forgot those bathroom essentials, Grubhub will deliver anything from the convenience store right to your door. And you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. Is this the part of the program where we remind people that Brian Dable was on the Patriots staff for a short time? It would be a good place to go, yes. <laughs> that, that's where he started his NFL career. <laughs> so uh, We know who he learned from. Yeah, uh, you know, injury conversations, the bane of every NFL head coach's existence. Let's just say that. And so he made it very clear. In fact, you know, as we go through these spring practice sessions, there are a number of Giants who are wearing red jerseys. And they have various bumps and bruises, tweaks in some cases, and we've mentioned this in other shows, 
where guys are coming off significant injuries like Parrott, like Shepard, like Gates. Okay, fine. We get that. But then there are other guys who, for whatever little reason they may have, the medical staff has decided, you know what, they don't get to do 100% of these drills. We're going to hold them out of a couple of a couple of things. And so they're out there with red jerseys, okay, which not only indicates no contact, but indicates they are going to be limited in the number of things they can participate in. Uh, Dable was very honest in saying uh, a bunch of guys uh, are at different levels where some guys can do one or two drills. Other guys can do three or four drills. Some guys even can line up in the seven-on-seven seven or 11-on-11s, believe it or not. But then they might be limited in the amount of reps that they get. So I'll give you a good example. Kenny Galladay, right? He's got a red jersey on. Now, yep. nobody knows exactly what it is that has told the medical staff to give him a red jersey. We don't know the answer to that. We just don't. Maybe he likes the color red. Maybe. <laughs> but but in any event, he's got a red jersey on. But what do we see? Well, he does all of the individual drills with the wide receivers. He does the, the zigzag drills, the start-stop drills, the agility drills, uh, catching the ball drills. He's doing all of that stuff. And he looks perfectly fine. But he's not in the seven-on-sevens, and he's not in the 11-on-elevens. But he's doing all the other stuff and doesn't appear to be hampered in any way, shape, or form. Same thing with Thibodeau. Thibodeau's out there, and he's doing a bunch of drills. He's doing sprints. He's running with the rubber band resistance. He goes out there in the walkthrough portion of the practice, and he's doing the walkthrough pass rush drills with the rest of his defensive front seven but he's not in the actual snaps of 7-on-7s seven and 11-on-11s. So you know what that says to me? There's no cause for concern. Sure. That, well, that says it's not a big deal. That says it's absolutely positively not a big deal. But you have some people who want to make a big deal out of it. Well, and sometimes it's just a conservative approach by the medical team saying, hey, the guy's fine. There's not necessarily anything we're overly concerned about. But out of caution, Paul, and even though there's no physical activity, but let's face it, if a running back is going up against a defensive back or a wide receiver, even though they may not be pushing and shoving each other, it's possible you trip over a leg, you trip over a foot, you go down slip, awkwardly. Right. Right? Incidental contact could happen. And and you could your your cleat could get taut in the grass. Exactly. Uh there could be a little moisture in the morning grass for a practice and you slip and fall, and all of a sudden that little soreness, that little tweak now becomes a big tweak. So they simply want to avoid those occurrences. That's and it. that's why they're not taking part in that section. Co- of coach was hysterical today. He's like telling guys, he was like, All right, fellas, you understand it's uh it's June. Okay? It's June. And you want to be smart with your players. Uh, I, I suspect that probably all of the red jersey guys, except for the three significant injuries that we've talked about, I would suspect if they had a game coming up on Sunday, all of those other guys would be in full practice. Or at least in a heavy portion of the practices. Well, the urgency changes, right? Sure. If we're having a regular season game. Now you have the convenience and the luxury to take it easy on guys. Right. There's no game this coming weekend. So you don't have to worry. That's why context is so important. But listen, I get it. I understand for people who cover the team 
okay? It's now a 24-7 business. And they've got to find something to talk about. Correct, exactly. So it's part of just the product of coverage. By default, you need something to talk about. There's only so much you could talk about. Daniel Jones taking a snap and throwing a pass five Mm -hmm. yards to a wide receiver, okay? (laughs) And, yes, I'm talking about all those videos that are circulating, for those of you who follow the team, and, I mean, as if we're supposed to put that under a fine-tooth comb and a magnifying glass and say, oh, my God, this is extraordinary. I chuckle at half the videos and the production that is thrown out there during this time of the year. I do. No, I I know. Because I'm saying to myself, like, what am I supposed to read into this? A guy ran five yards and caught a pass? Or my favorite is a guy standing and catching balls from a machine. I mean, really. Well, I'll tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Tony has put on a very impressive display of one-handed grabs from the jugs machine. Oh, my and, and And I will, no, I will say this, Lance. If you've ever tried to catch footballs out of that machine and consider he's, what, 10, 15 yards away, and, and there he is doing the one-handed grabs out of that thing, it's pretty cool. It's it's something to see. Now it doesn't necessarily sure mean it, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to catch eighty five balls during the course of the regular season. It doesn't mean that at all. But is it something cool to see that you probably don't see on a regular basis, especially in the middle of June? That's that's why you put something like that up. And I, I and and that's one thing for sure I, I put up because I think it's something interesting for people to see. And if you just told them that he was doing it, they may not believe you. They may say, well, no, I I need to see that. So you show it to them. But the key with all of these things, all of these Twitter videos that are being put up now, is that you must take them in proper context and understand they're really only worth the visual that you see, and they don't mean a hill of beans beyond that. The digging that you are doing to sell those video postings. I am actually writing this down. I'm putting this on my to-do list that I must find that video that Paul posted <laughs> and observe it and put it on my full screen on my computer and provide takeaways. So you'll be hearing from me later today or tomorrow. I will have all of my key important takeaways from watching him catch well, you those know, balls from the machine. He's yes. the only one who, uh, outside of Beckham, and Odell used to do that too, the one-handed grabs out of the jugs machine. Other than Beckham, um, I don't know that I've ever seen another Giants receiver be able to do that on a consistent basis. It's a pretty impressive thing to do. Now, Hakeem Nicks had very, very large hands. In fact, they had to order specialty, extra-large novelty gloves for him when he played here because he had just large mitts, man. His fingers and hand size were just off the charts. It's one of the reasons he was such a potent receiver. But I don't even remember Nick's doing that. So it, it's it's an impressive feat. Now, if he can make a few of those during the regular season, that helps well, him win see, games. That'll even be better. Well, and I'm glad you went there. And also, <laughs> if I'm a coach, too— I love the fact that a player is at least trying to be productive on the side if he's oh, yeah. limited. He, okay, if he's I got, get if that. If he's got some downtime, why yeah. not? No, and I get that, and that's fine. But in fairness, Paul, don't you think that it's important to practice the way that you're actually going to catch the ball during a game? Well, they do that too. Well, and I know that, but what I'm they, saying they is They have is regular that, receiving drills where he does sure. do two hands and, and, and catches a, a live ball from a person throwing it. This just happens to be one of the things that he's also doing. Yeah, no, and I'm not talking about the, using the machine to practice. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm talking about that you want to get in the habit of making sure you control it with two hands during the course yeah. of the game. And, he's do- and he does those That's drills too. He does those drills too. This is just an extra drill that he does 
while he has some downtime. And I'd rather he do that than just, you know, sit on the bike. Sure. The stationary bike, to me, I know that there's a reason for it. It's conditioning. It's to keep the muscles warm and everything else. I get that. But honestly, if you're ever going out there to watch practice and you see a guy on the stationary bike, we, we, call it, we used to call it the Tour de Giants back in the day <laughs> when you would see three or four guys lined up on the stationary bike, and, and that's all they would do. I'd much rather see a guy doing something else that could possibly be somewhat productive than just doing the bike, which I know it has its it has its reasons. I don't want to downplay it. I don't want to poo-poo the stationary bike, but I I think, you know, to see something else that requires a little more skill, it, it seems to me that's kind of a worthwhile thing to do. Speaking of off-season activities, one last point that I want to bring up and we have not discussed this thus far, is Brian Dable confirmed, Paul, that the Giants will be taking part in a joint practice with the Jets leading up to their preseason game. And there were reports, and there were some hints, and also Dable earlier said he was thinking it through, but the other day he came out and said that they will have joint practices with the Jets leading up to the preseason game. It will be at the Giants facility, and he expected to be out on the practice field as opposed to MetLife Stadium. And he mentioned that he has a very good relationship with Robert Sala, and they thought that, hey, both teams are in close proximity. It makes sense. You don't have to worry about overwhelming travel. And considering they're going to be playing in the preseason, it's a good lead-in to also go up against players that you don't necessarily see on a daily basis. This is no different. Joe Judge did it with the Patriots and the Browns last year. So this is a continuation of what we've seen in recent history. But Dable has since confirmed that they will be taking advantage of a matchup with the Jets later on over the course of the season. Yeah, and real quickly, that's the preseason finale when they play the Jets on Sunday, August 28th. Uh, So he did not indicate what day or days that might be. He did say he expected it to be here in East Rutherford and it would likely be on the outside practice fields, not in the stadium. But that was not in stone in any way. It was just something that he was discussing as a likelihood or a possibility. Uh, so, But it's the know. first time he actually referenced a specific team yes. as opposed to speaking in generics, though. Yes, and I think it's safe to say that it would be the week leading into that game. So sometime in the days prior you would think that that's where they would uh, lock up and and have their dual sessions. Yeah, in all likelihood, especially since also keep in mind, Paul, as I keep talking about it, both teams are local. It's one thing when you go out to Cleveland, right? You know, you have a set schedule leading up to the game. I mean, they could have a practice on the Wednesday or the Thursday. I mean, there's no play ride involved? (laughs) Yeah, well, last time I checked, I I don't think uh, staying within state is uh, something glance. that requires a helicopter. I could or walk anything like from that. here to Florham Park. Are you kidding well, me? I mean, it would be a walk. It would be quite the walk. But yes, knowing you and your track record, I don't doubt that. We could actually put the entire production team around you and they could document yeah, it exactly. as you uh, go back and forth. So that at least gives them some flexibility because when you were trying to project, Paul, this is my main point about what days it could be. If you're not going anywhere, you can have an early week joint practice, a few days removed from the game. You don't have to have the practice on Friday so close to the game. You may want to do it early in the week, give guys time to breathe. Everybody goes back to having their own practices and then play the game over the course of the weekend. Yep. So that's certainly something to keep in mind, but he did confirm that. So we at least have another activity to look forward to over the course of the summer. All right, that is going to wrap up. 
Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Tomorrow we'll be back up and running again. The show will begin at 1 p.m. Eastern due to the changes with the mandatory minicamp schedule. But you can stay locked to Giants.com for all the latest. And a reminder that today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. For Paul Dottino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday, and we'll speak to you on Thursday right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. Everyone gets their cravings while watching the games, and no one wants to be the one to miss the big play. Well, now Grubhub's got you covered. From the extras to the essentials, Grubhub now delivers all your go-to convenience items all day long. Whether it's that late-night snack craving or you forgot to get the paper towels from the grocery store, enjoy convenience delivered right to your door, just in the nick of time, and you'll never have to leave the house. Order your convenience items through the Grubhub app or online today. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top ten for immersive art that's like... Whoa. And... Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.